Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Friends, the Lord be with you. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel. Heavenly Father, may the meditation of our hearts The words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, I don't know whether I've ever met a person who enjoys conflict. Some people enjoy it a little bit. Most people don't enjoy it one bit. We dislike conflict. And fair enough. And we wish the fall in the garden, which we just heard about again, we wish that never had happened. And all of the disaster and the pain and the conflict and the brokenness that came with the fall was not here. We're so disappointed as well, aren't we, at the church, and disappointed with ourselves when disagreement and conflict comes to our relationships. We're disappointed. We are the holy and loved people of God after all. And we expect more of ourselves and more of the church. As we heard this morning, we have been loved by the one who gave up his own power, his own authority, his own rights to reconcile us to our creator and to each other, even to the point of death on a cross. So when conflict happens, we are disappointed. But, as we know in life, it happens. Conflict just happens, even to the best and even to the worst. It certainly happens in the holy communion of the holy people of God, and it certainly happens outside of that community. And that is the reality, don't you think? I know you do. You experience it, just like I do. We don't like conflict. It makes us uncomfortable, and rightly so. Conflict can certainly shatter your confidence. And, by the way, it actually hurts. It really can hurt. Either you being hurt, or you doing the hurting. So I guess for those reasons, most of us, in fact, I think nearly, well, everybody, we tend to run away from conflict. It's a much easier option, in well, at least in the short term. But on the other hand, if we're uh, pushed in the right way, and maybe for long enough, we can attack like the ladies in the car park with the best of them. So we find ourselves in this strange situation as Christian people. Fight or flight. Or as I heard at school this week, Fight or flight or freeze. So there's three options. We'll just stick with two. Fight or flight. Both are very unhelpful 
responses to conflict in relationships. And I guess we're asking you and asking, I'm asking myself, or maybe God is asking us all to look beyond that experience to the gospel that we carry and see what the mind of Christ is on this whole area of coping and dealing with the inevitable conflict. Conflict is not a question of if, it's a question of when. You know it. You live life like I live life. Okay, the bottom line that we are saying these next six weeks, Jesus, the servant king, in him there is another way that's not fight or flight, but the better way, the biblical way, the mind of Christ way, to negotiate conflict fruitfully. There is a helpful and a fruitful way to cope with the difficulties that you have in your family and at your workplace and in relationships in general. There is a way. As Paul proclaims in our home text, which we heard again this morning, Philippians 2, we need the mind of Christ. And we need it on conflict and in our relationships. And we need to begin this journey by, even if we can't believe it, to say it. Let's approach conflict not with fear or guilt or anger or self-doubt or anxiety. Let's pretend at least this morning to approach conflict with humility and a desire to see it as an opportunity. Conflict as an opportunity. That's the one-line take-home message this morning. Conflict as opportunity. Opportunity for God to bring new possibilities into play and to bring glory to his good name. Having said that, can I briefly just acknowledge the reality of the situation? We surely must acknowledge that in any conflict, you and I are not Christ. And that the person with whom we are having a conflict is not Christ either. The person with whom we are having disagreement and difference and misunderstanding might be quite unwilling to play ball. Have you ever come across the situation where you would love to work for reconciliation with a person and they will have none of it? That is the reality we live with because we can't make people do anything. The New Testament knows people like that. Truth be told, they're probably you and me at times. The New Testament knows this problem for God's peacemakers very well too. Here's what Paul says, I believe, as a response to this particular problem we might have if we take on board that we are called to be peacemakers when the other person won't play ball. If, he says, if it is possible, if it is possible, meaning it might not be, as far as it depends on you, you can't control the other person, live at peace with everyone. So friends, we're called to work for peace in our relationships, if possible, as much as possible, as much as it depends on me, because I can't control the other person. 
And we are called to do this even if the other person with whom we are experiencing conflict does not respond in kind. So I hear God saying to us this morning as we begin this peacemaking journey, we are called to do the very best we can in peacemaking if it's possible, as much as it's possible, and as much as it is up to me. If reconciliation cannot be found at this particular time, because sometimes time does heal, we have not failed. And we live with a clear conscience as God's people because we've owned the conflict and the problem and we've done whatever we thought was best to do at the time with the best heart and mind and we've done our very best. Having said that, let's look at the detail a bit. So what is conflict? What do you think? This is a working definition. Any conflict, think about any conflict you may experience, a difference of opinion or purpose that frustrates someone else's goals and desires. Fairly general definition of conflict, would you agree? A difference of opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires, either yours or theirs. And the truth is that conflict varies, doesn't it, in intensity and in dimension as well. So, for example, a conflict can be as insignificant and as short-lasting as a simple disagreement about something trivial like a football team. Maybe. Conflict can be much more serious, of course. This is what keeps us up at night. Divorce, being sacked unfairly, litigation and so forth. So conflict is a difference of opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals and desires and it can vary in intensity and dimension. Sounds reasonable to me, in my experience. I suspect yours too. So if that's conflict, then what causes a difference of opinion or purpose that frustrates our goals and desires? What causes those things? We would say three things. Generally speaking, in a very broad brush way. Isn't it amazing how a simple misunderstanding between people can grow to become a significant cause of mistrust and ongoing disagreement? I've heard that World War I was started from a simple misunderstanding. I don't know how true that is. How, how often does that happen where it starts out as a simple misunderstanding? We just didn't quite understand each other and for a whole lot of reasons it becomes a major relationship break so one of the causes of conflict is just misunderstanding each other second difference differences in all kinds of things you know differences in people's values differences in people's goals at the workplace or in the family or in business differences differences in all kinds of ways Differences in how people sense their sense of achievement, their worth from their sense of achievement. All of those things can create real friction, can't they? In families and in business and at school and wherever. And the third, competition. We're competitive by nature, I think, some more than others. Competition over limited resources has the real ability to increase tension between people as we all struggle to get our piece of the pie. 
So generally speaking, I wonder whether you'd reflect on that today. Are most of the conflicts I've ever experienced to do with one of these three things generally? Simple misunderstanding that grew to be greater, differences in values and goals and all that, competition, wanting to get my piece of the pie or someone else wanting to get their piece of the pie. Pretty accurate, seems to me. How do we deal with it? Well, as I said before, we tend to take flight when conflict presents itself. I would say most people take flight, but there are a few people that are like the ladies in the car park. They take fight. They get the boxing gloves on, and in we go. Uh, there's a better way, folks. That's the message. It is not helpful to take flight all the time. It is not helpful to deny anything's going on or that anything has hurt us. It is not helpful because nothing ever changes and nothing gets resolved. Neither is it helpful to get the boxing gloves on and bash people up with a few choice verbal abusive words or worse. That's not helpful either. But there is a way. There is another way, and that's what this five weeks is about for you in your personal relationships. We'll discover more in the weeks ahead, on Tuesday mornings as well, and on Tuesday nights, either or, about God's way, about the gospel way, about the mind of Christ way for dealing with inevitable differences and conflict in our relationships. In our home text, God shows us that instead of keeping his distance from conflict with us, he enters into the conflict with us. And he does so in one way and in one way only. He enters conflict from below, not from above. The servant king enters our conflict with our creator underneath us as a servant as one who serves and loses his rights for the sake of the other. That is our starting point as Christian people for facing conflict, to start from below. The mind of Christ from below the conflict, from below the person as a servant. As much as it's up to us, if it's possible. And the goal that Jesus has in his serving and resolving and reconciling us and God is in the end to bring glory to God and to serve people, to bring peace and healing and reconciliation to people. That is our goal in this too. To bring glory to God's good name, to speak of Jesus, our Saviour, in the difficult things of life, in conflict, and to bring healing and freedom or his healing and freedom to people. So, maybe we could summarise conflict resolution and reconciliation and peacemaking, and you've seen these before, some of you, maybe in four Gs, as we call them. The approach to all conflict with the mind of Christ. G number one, glorify God. Here's the question. How can I bring glory to the Saviour, to my Heavenly Father, to the triune God? How can I bring glory to God and bear witness to who Jesus is and what he gives me in this particular conflict? 
How can I do that? That's the first question. I thought of another question. What is Jesus presenting me with? What opportunity is he presenting in this difficulty? What opportunity is the Lord calling me to understand and take hold of in this particular conflict? Conflict as opportunity. Okay, second one, get the log out of your own eye, as Jesus said. How can, have I contributed to this conflict? This is where it is difficult, isn't it? Because in the conflict, we don't want to look at ourselves. We want to blame the other person. The biblical way, the mind of Christ way, the from below way, how have I contributed to this conflict? And what do I need to do to resolve this as much as it's up to me as it's possible? So maybe another question. What is Jesus teaching me about myself and living life in the gospel in this conflict? Conflict as opportunity, conflict as teacher. Third, gently restore. How can I help the other person or people to understand how they have contributed to this conflict so that we might be restored to each other? Notice how blame is nowhere in the building. That's gone. The blame game has stopped. The car park scene is over. And now we're on Discovery Channel. We're looking to discover what we both need to do to find reconciliation. Conflict as discovery. Opportunity, teacher, discovery. And the last one, go and be reconciled. How can I demonstrate forgiveness and encourage a reasonable solution to this conflict? What can I actually do? It's up to me. As much as it's up to me, and if it's possible, what do I need to actually do? Do I need to make that phone call? Do I need to book in that coffee? Do I need to go and see that person in that office? Do I need to ring that family member and sit down and have a chat? What can I actually do that's up to me and that's possible? With no guarantees that the other person will respond. But that's not our problem. So friends, we are called to be peacemakers as much as it depends on us because we live in the grace and the servant power of the peacemaker, Jesus Christ. We respond to the peace that God won for us and gave us in our baptism. We are continually forgiven in this building to forgive outside of this building. We are fed with the peacemaking body and blood of the resurrected Jesus to be a peacemaking body of flesh and blood to the people around us. So we simply ask, look beyond. Would you dare to look beyond in these next five weeks? Hear Jesus calling you to look beyond your own fear and anxiety and hurt and pain about short conflicts or longer-lasting conflicts? Would you ask the Lord to teach you, to show you the opportunity to discover some new things and even give you the courage to take action, to do something? We pray that you take this on board and that we go on a journey together to be 
peacemakers. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au